Oops. Go my notes. Uh, in the passage today from uh, Philippians, in the letter to the Philippians, St. Paul has some stern words about, thank you, about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Uh, namely, what it means not to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. He says, I've often told you about them, these enemies of the cross, and now I tell you even in tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, their glory is their shame, and their minds are set on earthly things. So Paul has this vision of, of heaven. Of course, he has some real insight, doesn't he? He's been a disciple of Jesus Christ and one of his primary followers, one of his primary evangelists in the world. And so it is with sadness that he, you know, he goes about this work, this mission that he, ha- he has with great passion. And yet he sees, despite his words of warning, despite his words of encouragement, that some people just don't get it. Some people are living only to themselves for their own satisfaction and for their own selfish ways. And think about this when we are later in the service, when we hear the Eucharistic preface for Lent. And in that preface is is a part of this prayer that we, following Jesus Christ, will be able to live no longer unto ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. And so you see, this is not a new condition that we are in, this, uh, this human state of being sort of selfish and uh, self-serving. But Paul is warning about this even in the earliest days of the Christian movement. And, you know, I, when I was reading this through this uh, passage, I thinking about um, earthly things. Now, we, there are many ways you can fixate on earthly things. Some are more, uh, more damaging than others. Some, you know, aren't so bad. A little entertainment, a little diversion here and there never really hurts. But uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, when we watch the evening news and during the commercial breaks, there's an ad for, you know, what's coming up next? And, you know, those Hollywood gossip shows that just drive me crazy. Because uh, just the thought that people spend time and money and energy worrying about who's dating who and who broke up and what somebody's wearing and... It's just a lot uh, to take in. But that is an example, I think. And, you know, again, if you like the show, great. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's focusing on that sort of thing, that that temporal, temporary, passing, fleeting stuff that that was what makes up our lives. Now, of course, like the people, like the Philippians, uh, we have not had that vision of the heavenly kingdom yet. And so all we have is the context that we're in, in our bodies and in our world and in our culture, in our country. But we do have this example of Paul, of Jesus, and we do have the holy scriptures to guide us. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, in uh, the account from Luke, is weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus never strays from the mind of God, being part of the Godhead himself, of course. Yet, of course, as well, and, and again, listen to the, uh, the Eucharistic preface, uh, tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. It's very easy for us to become distracted from the mind and the will of God 
but he never was. And so, you know, there are times where he, where he faced danger. When he was a baby, King Herod uh, tried to have him killed. There was a point in time where an angry crowd tried to shove him off a cliff. And here again, we see from Luke 13, some Pharisees. Now, isn't this interesting that the Pharisees we usually think of as the ones who are trying to trip Jesus up. But here come some Pharisees who are saying, look, you better get out of here because Herod wants to kill you. So for your own sake, you better leave town. But Jesus tells him, go and tell that fox today, tomorrow, and the next day I am casting out demons and performing cures, and then I will be on my way. It's interesting, isn't it, that normally we we read the stories of Jesus' miracles and they seem to just happen. Like someone just happens to be there. There happens to be a leper. There happens to be uh, a dying child. But here it sounds like he's, keep, he's making appointments. He's like he's at his date book. He said, well, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I'm performing cures and casting out demons, but then I'm going on my way. He knows that he must leave Jerusalem for the time being, but that he will be back, and that he will be back to face his trial and face the cross and the grave. And so when you go to Jerusalem and you go visit the Mount of Olives, you will see that there are a number of churches there. And one of those is purported to be the site where Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Now, there was an architect, uh, Parluzzi, and you will hear a lot about Parluzzi because he built many of these uh, churches. He had, must have had some sort of in with the Franciscans because he's all over the place. Um, and a lot of these, surprisingly, a lot of these churches are not that old, really only dating from the late 19th century to the mid-20th century. Um, but there's this beautiful, very simple church uh, on the Mount of Olives, and you can see over the altar, there's a window, and it's a clear window, so you can look out through a, a beautiful wrought iron grate and see the city of Jerusalem almost as Jesus would have seen it across the Kidron Valley. So that's beautiful in and of itself and very evocative of of our Lord's uh, anguish over this holy city. But if you look down, uh, sort of set into the front of the altar, is a mosaic, very unusual mosaic, because if you uh, look up uh, sort of biblical symbols or, uh, you know, signs and things like that, you find different types of animals. For example, the four evangelists are represented by Uh, an angel, which is not an animal, but uh, an angel, an ox, a lion, and a uh, eagle. Thank you. (laughs) Eagle. Um, And Jesus, sometimes represented by by the fish, because he called the fishermen. Um, You know, so, so everybody has their little attributes. What you don't usually see is a chicken. And so I was drawn to this mosaic of a chicken in this beautiful holy spot, right on the altar, right in the center, and she's got a halo, so she's a holy chicken, and she has her wings out, and beneath her wings are scurrying all these chicks that she's sort of trying to keep together. And how wonderful is that? What a great image is that of, of Jesus and of uh, him trying to gather us together. And, and St. Paul in the early church is trying to gather them together, even though... Uh, our inclination is to run in every, every possible direction except where we should be. But we have 
despite this human condition, despite our propensity <clears throat> to wander and stray and to sin and to be uh, inward focused and not outward focused, despite all that, we were given a great gift by Jesus. Not just his teachings, not just the accounts of the Holy Scriptures, not just his example in history, but his presence with us even today, his presence with us sacramentally and spiritually, his gift of the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to rise up above our base level and to become something different. He gave us the freedom in following him of not being bound by the law, a freedom not in the sense of just do whatever you want, but in fact, a maturing type of freedom, a freedom that calls us to greater responsibility to ourselves and to one another. You see, everything that Jesus does and everything that Jesus says turns the ways of the world and the presuppositions of the world upside down. You do not live for yourself. You live for God and you live for others. You don't live to be served. You live to serve others. And when I was a child in Sunday school, we used the word joy. How do you experience joy? Well, we made an acronym out of it. Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. I didn't really like that too much at the time when I was a child. I didn't want to be last. But uh, as we grow and mature and, and are sort of steeped in the Holy Scriptures and in our tradition and in the sacraments of the church, we come to see that, I hope, we, like the blind man, had the scales fall from our eyes, and little by little, the glory of God is revealed to us in our lives, and, I hope, revealed through us to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.